Monday Night Football has had no shortage of entertainment this year off the back of last week's shock win by the Bears anything was possible but most folks had Joe Burrow getting his first win over his total team and AFC North rival Cleveland Browns but Burrow struggled against Cleveland's defence and the Bengals lost in convincing fashion while the Browns avoided a five game losing streak welcome back to our Monday Night Football recap, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Hogan, and today I'm back with Michael McQuaid for the first time in a while. Before we get completely started, we do want to make a note, just before we start recording this, we heard of the sudden loss of Adam Zimmer, son of Mike Zimmer, who Adam himself was with the Vikings for years, and that's how he'd be most known, but he was recently with the Bengals, um, and of course, that's the team we're dealing with today. So, um, yeah, our thoughts definitely go out to the family, Michael. Awful news. Just... You know, I know there's been a lot of tragedy in the Zimmer family, and our thoughts are very much with um, with him and with his family. And you know, it's just just awful to hear. And, and may he rest in peace. It's it's awful. Um, Mark, obviously, just in terms of the podcast itself, it's it's good to talk to you again. Uh, it's been it's been a few weeks. Sorry, I haven't been on. And thanks to mm-hmm. I Colin Brian and all, I've been on the last few weeks on on a, a Monday. Just been busy, man. It's been a good few weeks in the season. Um, one thing hasn't changed since we've last spoken. The NFC is a complete. An absolute mud heap, and it's actually starting to get annoying to watch. I'm sorry, I'm saying it. I'm, I'm not enjoying. I'm not enjoying the NFC at the minute. I know I'm saying that, but hopefully, please God, we're both in Munich next Sunday, and we're watching two NFC teams go up against each other. So hopefully, it gets a bit better. <laughs> yeah, as a with a fan, you know, I've skinned the game in the NFC. There, it's the most confusing thing. Someone asked me about it this morning about oh, it's such a weird NFL season, and I just can't come away from the fact that it is going in week 15, 16, 17 you could have 12 or 13 teams in the NFC that are still alive for that playoff spot. And it's like, I know they wanted that extra week for this exact reason, but just because the play has been so, so par, yeah, the NFC is just going to be wild. And who, 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 who would have said that that Seahawks team going to Munich was going to be as good as they were? Michael, I had the Seahawks tanking essentially this year. I thought there's no way they were serious about Geno Smith and to see them playing as good as they are to see that DK Metcalf cannot get injured to see the way that sorry this is completely going from an AFC we'll talk about Monday Night Football in a second Wait, it's grand, it's y- yeah you are absolutely correct that the NFC it's so exciting even like look I saw a tweet yesterday that our focus now turns to the Minnesota Vikings being the fraud seeing as the Giants finally lost but I don't know where it's going to go. I'm, I had the Eagles, and I still think I do, Eagles joints, Cowboys taking up three of the NFC wall cards. So it's like, is everyone else playing for just one? Your 49ers, or your, is everyone else just playing for the, the, the seventh seed? It's uh, kind of crazy. But you have to enjoy it. It's a different NFL season than we're used to, Michael, isn't it? Well, it's mad we're going into week nine next week. Scary biscuits, Mark. Almost toy show time, and we're getting to that business <laughs> end of the season. Hi, um, yeah. If you watched it, there's an NFC West preview, and I think Brian O'Leary said, um, in his infinite wisdom, that the Seahawks will win nine games. And I, I laughed at him. I also said, fair, fair play there. I mean, they're only a few away now. I, I also said that the Browns had no chance on Monday night, so I genuinely might throw in the title. I will say, before we start talking about Monday night football, Mark. Some decent picks this week. I was a very happy man coming to, coming to start of the late window on Sunday. I was like, Jesus! If I had just picked the uh, if I had just picked the Ravens on Thursday night at that point, it was I think it was all all going through. But uh, we're getting there, hi. We're getting there. I'm, I'm definitely doing better than last season. 
Yeah, that's really interesting that you said because I was starting to pay attention. I was going to tweet out uh, with whatever my thoughts are on why I pick certain games. I, was got, I looked actually at our stats from the end of last year, and we're actually trending to get around the same. I'm not talking about positioning, but like I feel like we're doing way worse in our picks. But we're actually not, surprisingly. It's just the way that the picks have come out. But like, look at what happened the other day. Whether you the Falcons or the Panthers doesn't actually matter because it comes down to absolute madness. And the same can really be said for the Colts and the Washington, the Washington game. that or, or Houston and Tennessee, well, to a lesser point, I guess. But yeah, the picks, you were on fire. Uh, you picked the books. You were the favorites going, going into that game on Thursday Night Football. But otherwise, you had a clean sweep up until the late games began. I was looking at you as well, thinking, could you go? Uh, yeah, I think I had that Houston game circled for you. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I suppose it wasn't impressive showing for you, by you until it wasn't. Um, obviously, a lot of a lot of Bengals fans in Ireland. Uh, shout out to Tip the Bengals. Shout out to Bengals Ireland. I think they're still going. They popped up suddenly uh, in February last year, or February this year, which seems like a long time ago. You know, Joe Burrow is still not beating the Browns in his career. Think he ever will? <laughs> yeah, right. No, I mean that's what I I came in off the top with there because I suppose. <laughs> I, I thought this was going to be straightforward, Michael. It definitely wasn't, and it continues the trend that we don't know what to expect week to week with the NFL. But do you know what my, my honest takeaway from this, and we'll get into the game and kind of more specifics in a minute, but this week really set up that, yeah, we are getting shocks left, right, and center, but someone has to step up. Some teams have to step up. And I thought in the NFC, the 49ers absolutely did that, and I think they're a genuine threat again. The Christian McCaffrey, whatever he's adding, they didn't even have Debo Samuel in that offense yet. It was really nice to see, obviously, if you're a 49ers fan, but even as an NFL fan, I was like, oh, finally something flashy that isn't the Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles. But maybe here's a statement for you. Did the Browns do that last night for the AFC? Ooh, I don't know. That's a really good question. That, that that's that's intriguing me now i'm going what what do you think i mean that, that that's really intriguing i i look at their stats michael right and the browns i think everyone wanted them to be a punching bag this year because of the sean watson story and look the sean watson is starting to come into view again he has three games left to go under that suspension but in fairness we were all giving them probably a bit too tough at the time but when you look at their losses they lost to the ravens by three points they lost to the Chargers by two points the falcons by three the jets by one like you know a few bounces of the ball different and they're actually you know firing away in this conversation that we haven't been giving them their dues for how close these games have been and they have looked poor but when they did that to the Bengals yesterday when you see how tight it all is, like, yeah, their record isn't fantastic. What is it, three and five now after this game? But, like, you know, they're there, thereabouts, that they showed enough in different areas. I think most importantly was the defense. But then, as I say that, maybe it's that Nick Chubb was being used. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking about the Green Bay Packers. I Derek Harger on the slant last week, and we're talking about certain, you know, traits that the, the Packers need to fix. But I think some of those were similar for the Browns and yesterday they got answers for some of them fans have been absolutely crying out for Nick Chubb to have more usage just like Aaron Jones in Green Bay and Nick Chubb yesterday did get that usage now it didn't happen straight away but then Stefanski saw a sense if I pull up Nick Chubb's numbers it was 101 yards I think and two touchdowns but there was plenty of strength and look we were, 
Nick Chubb was already being rated as the best back. I mean, we've, we've put out tweets in the Orton of Show's account, uh, Saquon or Nick Chubb, and it sparks a massive debate. And that's where they are. I'm Everyone team Saquon. The best pure rusher might be Nick Chubb, is the argument. Yeah, and I think it's it's really interesting to look at on both sides of the ball because you mentioned all those games that they were very close to that Browns game, uh, sorry, that, that Ravens-Browns game was uh, the one that stands out for me. They should have won that game and the Ravens were, were very fortunate to win that game. I think it's I think it's a fair point to make and it's something that's it's intrigued me. I mean, if you look at the way that Jacoby Brissett played, especially on Monday night, um, his completion rate was was excellent, 17-22. Granted, there was uh, over 20 carries by Nick Chubb and you are, you do have a heavy reliance that's so obviously the figures aren't that much but I'm looking at Trevor Lawrence on Sunday I'm looking at different quarterbacks around the league and he's doing very well in terms of in terms of his completion rate and he's got solid enough stats there with uh, nearly 280 passing yards and a touchdown in the day and um, I've been really impressed with Amari Cooper he has come into that team and you know I think a lot of people put the Browns down whenever Deshaun Watson was suspended thinking well they're done and you know, okay, they've got Amari Cooper and people were saying, I think including myself, including everyone on the show as well, saying, well, they haven't got somebody to throw the ball to. <laughs> they clearly have. Um, you know, you've got Jacoby Reset there that's now played seven, eight, nine weeks this season, is match fit, game fit, game ready, if that's the correct term in America. Whereas in a few weeks' time, you're going to be bringing in Deshaun Watson, who hasn't played proper football in such a long time. And I, I think the Browns obviously are going to play Deshaun Watson. But, you know, if he does struggle, he should maybe be given time to get back into it a bit and maybe they can mix and match it a bit and, and give the team the support they need. The, the whole Nick Chubb one is interesting. I done an interview on Sunday morning outside Wembley um, and was asked a question about who I would pick as my offensive player of the year so far and or at, at the end of the season if, if I made a prediction. And, and I said Saquon just because of his stats. So far, he's second in Russian. And the way that he's come back impresses me. And I know it's so subjective, but look, Nick Chubb done really, really well last night, averaging 4.4 yards a carry, two Russian touchdowns. You can't really ask for much more than that out of a running back. I mean, he's getting the job done. Um, and the Browns march on, but I think it's more the manner of, of that of that win last night, Mark, in the sense of, you know, they held the Bengals for three quarters. And that is not easy to do, especially when Joe Burrow put up, what was it, what, four, over 400 passing yards the week before against Atlanta. And that's why I think I think everybody picked, did you pick the Bengals as well last night? I think everyone picked the Bengals thinking that they would just go out and, and have a day. And we were very, very wrong. And now they moved, they, they dropped to four and four and, I mean, the, the wild card spots in the AFC are going to be intriguing to say the least this year. Yeah, especially with the Browns back in play there. I was kind of, you know, we're talking about what Brissett has to survive now the next three weeks. So they'll play the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Buccaneers. So, you know, it's it's not a Jesus. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's not an easy slate. But then whoever that quarterback is obviously plays the Texans and the whole thing was, oh, well, will Deshaun Watson play against his former team there? Or that's, that's game nine. Do you know if that game's in Houston, Mark, or not? I can check it for you now real quick, but I wonder, I I suppose it does it really, yeah, it's in Houston that game. That but that, that's be. incredible for him to have his, you know, his first game back and to go into Houston is just a stunner. That should be, on, put that in Sunday Night Football. I can't yeah, wait. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't th- I don't think they'll do it. I'm, I'm actually surprised that this is the game because I, I was so sure that he actually misses the Houston game by one. But then they're also saying, well, did the schedule makers do that on purpose, thinking that it'd be 11 game suspension, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think they'll put it into any kind of 
prime time because of the pure fact that they don't want to this to be glorified you know that kind of way but when you talk about what he's coming back to you're right about Amari Cooper. <laughs> Look, the only thing he did wrong, yes, it was on a trick play. He threw an absolutely horrible interception. It wasn't ever going to make whoever the intended receiver was. Well, that was atrocious. Yeah, that was, it was like, I think Will Gavin said, or, or somebody said that he dressed up as Baker Mayfield for Halloween. Mm. <laughs> Your name, any quarterbacks on Halloween or Sam Darnold's, etc. cetera. Um, but he did have that poor interception. But Brissett, when, uh, Cooper was called upon. He answered every single time. I mean, there was a 27 yard gain in there that was excellent. The touchdown was kind of toe tapping. And then on a third and long, Jacoby Brissett, who you'd won up, and he came down with it as well. I kind of, one thing for me, and I guess it is relative to this game, and I don't want to completely come off Cleveland too soon. But when you look at how these offenses kind of were set up, let's put it as set up, that Cleveland really did rely on Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Donovan Peoples-Jones had 81 yards, I think, and then uh, it was Cooper, 131 yards or something. When you compare that to the Bengals, who, you know, they have this high-powered offense. We're all blown away with the kind of depth that they have. But I think it was six guys had more than 25 yards for the Bengals last night, none the more than 50 yards. So... With Jamar Chase out, it kind of shows that they were passing the ball around more, you know, spreading it out and that. Now, of course, the, the, it's not a true reflection because Cincinnati's offense was so poor yesterday. But it shows that, like, if someone, if the same injury that happened to Jamar Chase happens to Mary Cooper, how potent is the attack really? Because look at our teams, for example. The Bengals, their offense, or sorry, the Broncos, their offense hasn't been electrifying as we expect now some of that falls on russell wilson but you wonder about tim patrick you know how when tim patrick goes down he was expected to have a big year i kind of had him penciled in as wide receiver too it means the likes of your jerry judy's and all have to step up your greg dorges who has been playing really well he has to step up the cardinals for example deandre hopkins when he was down every receiver had to step up one in the kind of the depth chart so when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals, they didn't survive that last night when everyone was expected. When T. Higgins and all has to come up one, they didn't survive that. I'd wonder would the Cleveland Browns be able to survive that? Now, again, the Bengals going forward, it might have just been a once off. We'll certainly pay attention to it. This isn't a completely different point, it is slightly a tangent. But early on in the game, when Miles Garrett tipped a pass from Joe Burrow and it goes out of the reach of T. Higgins, his reaction on the interception was he he wanted nothing to do with it he stops he plants his feet in the ground and grows some roots and he has no intention of chasing whoever it was and intercepted the ball and i actually didn't like it from t higgins i don't know i've often wondered are certain players told they're not because you see quarterbacks coming to tackle you know players and make picks but the way t higgins did he has is like oh wait is this this is a bit of a negative environment that's gone on with Cincinnati. This is early in the game. They weren't down. This is the first drive. Was it was the second drive that I couldn't understand that from T. Higgins. And for a player of his caliber and who's been playing so well, I was actually a bit disappointed and I felt like it was a bit disconnected. And I was like, yeah, I think we underestimate just how massive, and we talk about it and talk about it, that chemistry between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is because, you know, it certainly helps when Jamar Chase is your number one receiver and it's opening up your T. Higgins and all that. Yeah, I think I think what you said there is like the way you've explained it is excellent. Like the 
there has been too much of a reliance on that. And it's it's an issue. For, they, they need to find a way to to balance that. And at the minute, they're not doing that. Like, if you look at the stats from last night, take out Jamar Chase and the highest uh, the highest receiver there is T. Higgins with 50 yards on, on three attempts. I mean, that is, for a team that done so well against the Falcons, their stats were still better against the Falcons. Um, for a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, you cannot rely on one player. And the sign of a good team is one that can uh, have more of a potent offense or one that can diversify a little bit. Look at the Chiefs. Look at the Dolphins. Two gets the ball down the waddle if he needs to instead of Tyreek Hill. I mean, on their day, that Dolphins offense um, is unstoppable if they're playing well because nobody can... You can't cover both Waddle and Hill at the same time and then leave the rest of the offense out there. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So um I think you know the Bengals will be very, very disappointed in that. I mean, I'll, I'll take the one interception away for Joe Burrow, and he still had two he still had two touchdowns today. The touchdown at the end of the game was was really good. I really well, it was a good play, and then that almost juices the stats a bit because you're thinking, well, okay, well, until that point, how many yards did they have? How many, you know? So Look, it's it's disappointing for them. You know, they 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 they're, they're going to be like this for two or three weeks, and they they have to find a way to get the ball down more. And that that would also rely on the run. You know, the Browns made it made a very very good job Monday night of uh, pushing it with Nick Chubb. Joe Mixon only had twenty seven yards on the night, and credit to the Browns defense for putting in a great performance. But at the end of the day, the Bengals still need to have a game plan for that, and they they didn't last night, and and we've seen that reflected in the final score. Um, and it's it's funny because it's now the second Monday night game in a row where I think the, the favorite has just been splattered. And you know, the I wasn't chatting to you last week with that Patriots game, but you know, I woke up on on the on the Tuesday and felt the same how I felt last mm-hmm. night. So uh, yeah, I've, you, you you'll, you'll have a lot of Browns fans this morning, um, very in Ireland, very you know, very happy, thinking, ha ha ha, you picked against us. Uh, I've already had two DMs this morning about that, but uh, no, look, it's it's on, it's on the Bengals. It's like, the Bengals need to need to find a way to diversify what they have there, and they didn't do it last night, and they should have been ready for that, and and they weren't, and that's 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 an issue. I think that's a massive issue over the next two or three weeks because you know you you go to four and four, and then suddenly if they drop another, questions will start to be asked. I think you know it's they have a difficult enough run into the season as well. They're lucky over the next two games. They have the Panthers, they have their boy, and they have the Steelers, and then it'll be the Titans after that before they get into another side. They, they have to be going to Tennessee six and four. If they're not going to Tennessee six and four, you've you know Zach Taylor will have to answer serious questions there because you're getting to the business end of the season. They're in the most competitive conference in the AFC. They must find a way. There is no doubt about it. And that's that, that's a major issue for them. They have the Chiefs, Bills, and Ravens in the last six games. They do have the Bucks in there as well, whatever shape they're in, and the Browns, who will, of course, at that point have the Sean Watson. But yeah, I think it is. It's definitely interesting. It's they have a good offense. They still have plenty of playmakers: T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. That should be enough. Now it goes back on to Zach Taylor. You know, to work his magic again. Look, this is game one of Jamar Chase being out. It kind of happened a bit late in the week. So, you know, he has that excuse to lean on if he wishes. But I would expect it to approve. I do think this was a bit of a flash. Maybe they underestimated the Cleveland Browns. But I do have to say about the Cleveland Browns, their defense, it's worth noting, did step up in this game. It's been asked, where did they go? Miles Garrett was asked afterwards, are they turning the corner? And he, he definitely said they're starting to. 
that you know they hit their targets they like you said they've gone into this game or going into the third quarter it was what 25 to nothing 24 to nothing there was no explosive plays up to that point so yeah it was padded explosive plays or padded stats towards the end of the game that Cincinnati finally had but like they're checked out at that point they're playing soft coverage the Browns are and asked afterwards again well um Greg Newsom one of the defensive backs for Cleveland talked about how much easier their job was when the front seven was getting pressure like it was led by Miles Garden we saw maybe Michael it's that the car incident is in the rear view now that Miles Garrett is finally, you know, back to his best. Like you can understand why he would have been a bit slower to start the season after that car incident. So I think there's a lot of hope there from Cleveland Browns that, you know, the the defense was always good on paper. There was no excuse for it not to be performing, even with Deshaun Watson out. Even going into the season, people were going to say because there's been such a negativity that the Browns defense is so good that they should step up. And really, you know, all the negatives that we were talking about, that they'll use that as fuel. They didn't do that up until this point. But after last night, doing it with Jamar Chase, and I don't know, does Jamar Chase even help that game out? The the defense is playing so good for the Browns that it's certainly something that they can lean on now. And that's why I kind of ask you at the top, do you think that the Browns could push on from here? Because, again, with it being so open... You you, you caught me by surprise when you asked that. I was like, ooh, the Browns, really? I, I tell you what, they could, but you know, could you imagine the scenes if Deshaun Watson came in and played well for them? I mean, look, let's be clear, the money is all he should, but he's going to be rusty. Imagine he comes in and they win three or four games in the points. That's going to be controversial. It'll be, it'll be funny if it happens, like, I mean, from a fan point of view. I actually want to jump in very quickly and just mention about Frank Frank Pollock, who is the um, OL coach for the Bengals. I mean, you know, the, Surely it's time now for a situation there. You know, does does the team come in and speak to him and maybe put him out of his misery? Look, they're they're eight games into a season, and Bengals fans are questioning where this team's going as well. So I think I think um, people will be worried in Cincinnati. There's a there's senses of, of optimism, as you said, there in Cleveland because they're getting their act together a bit and they've done a lot better than people thought. And you know, the ceiling was low for them whenever the show went out. So fair fair play to them, but um, you know. I think running the ball five times against 20 times thrown in the first half is uh, is an issue for Cincinnati and, and they need to they need to work on that because if it's not if it's it's gonna be telling over the next few weeks. If they if they go to if they go to Tennessee and still don't have Jamar Chase there, that'll be evident in the way they play if they play like they played last night. It's it's definitely funny because I, it, look, Joe Burrow has been sacked twenty nine times this season. I mean it's what top ten ish, I'd say. Um Oh, it's, it's number two. Wow, I check it now. It's, it's twenty. It's a uh, twenty-nine sacks. It's only behind Justin Fields. There is uh, quarterbacks in around his range: Andrew Jones, Matt Ryan, and Matthew Stafford. But <laughs> when Jamar Chase said that, my first thing was I was firmly on the Penny Sewell that they have to dra- draft Penny Sewell. So when you start to notice that uh, Joe Burrow is racking up the sacks even before this game, in which he had five, or they sacked him five times. It kind of <laughs> it brings it up, but it does. It shows the importance, even though he's getting excited. It does show when Jamar Chase is out of this game the importance that, that he has. So um, I take the the loss on that one. I know I got it dead wrong, but it is worth you know noticing still that Joe Burrow looks more like his rookie season once more with all the sacks. We thought they'd went away because they're playing so well last year, but um. Yeah, that's that's worrying. I guess I think we'll uh, wrap it up on that. We touched on all the main main points, didn't we, Michael? The 
the Who have you got on Thursday, mate? Because I'm, I'm not going to be chatting to you. Eagles. Oh, just give me a break. The Houston Texans. <laughs> no well, way. Well, here, yeah. here. Now, hold on. I said this last night with the Browns and the, and the Bengals. I'm not doing it. There's no, like, you can tell me any number of stats. There's no way you can pick against the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Is the game Houston? Houston did you see the Houston Texans playing the Tennessee Titans the other day? Tennessee didn't even want to win. Malik Willis in his first career start wasn't fantastic by any stretch. I got a tweet off our Fred Fred Flunk asking was I putting the sarcastically asking was I putting the Titans number three because they played so poor yet the Houston Texans are the I, only I can't wait to see you the Giants this week. The Giants should be between eleven and seventeen. They are being eleven and seventeen. Yeah, um I actually haven't got them finalized unfortunately, but I can they should, uh, uh, Mark did I, I, I know. They're not top 10. Um, the Giants have definitely fallen by five. They were borderline 11 or 12 when I. This is my draft that I have in front of me. But when it comes to the New York Giants, look, I am delighted for their fans, but I just don't buy it. And I'm like, they're stumbling across the line an awful lot of times. They didn't put up a whole lot of points the last couple of weeks now. And that's what I, I, I don't like about the, the Giants. Like, what they're. It just doesn't seem sustainable. Okay, so I, I had them quite high. I had them in seven because you had to put them there. I, I do think that they're going to make the playoffs because their roster or their schedule allows them to make the playoffs. But I loved your point yesterday that you made on the show about Pete Carroll being a coach of the year. And that's certainly something that I'm mentioning in my power rankings that I felt like that game going in was a, it was a for real game. I picked Seattle expecting that they would win. That's what they went and did. But I also thought under the radar, it was a who's the coach of the year. Now, not they, they didn't win it now the other day. But I think Pete Carroll was doing just as good a job as Brian Dable. But Brian Dable was getting a lot of plaudits because, you know, the roster doesn't look as good. At least Seattle can say we have a Tyler Lockett. We have a DK Metcalf. We have a Geno Smith. I don't know we're playing to an MVP level or certainly an all-pro level. But, yeah. Like you said, I, I think, mate, I think with just with Pete Carroll, like, I think at the minute, I think Dable is the standout one. But I do think if like, if the Giants get to eight or nine wins, then I think he will get it. I mean, look, they probably will. But if Carroll goes on a run, if if the Seahawks win the NFC West, I think I think you have to give it because the Giants aren't going to win the East because I'm looking something fault yeah, because yeah, the team, yeah. Cowboys and Eagles are better. Um, but they've done a great job. I think the Wink Martin deal defense will be interesting to see. The players are going to be gassed come week twelve. Um. But look, fair play to them. Seahawks, let's see what they're like in person next Sunday. It, you know, it's funny that we're wrapping an, an, an AFC West or AFC North podcast the way we are. We started kind of on Seattle and the Giants. We're kind of finishing there. I think like that with Pete Carroll, he could win the coach of the year if they win the division, just like Nick Chubb is not. He's people's best rusher because he is the most yards. But again, I think Saquon Barkley is doing more. So it's whatever way you want to cut the mustard. Um, thanks a million. We <laughs> Monday Night Football recap. I think it was more than that. We could have called this the slant and put a put a spin on it that way. <laughs> thanks a million for joining me, Michael. It's uh, been, what, five or six weeks, but it was great to have you back. Absolutely. And uh, the schnitzels are on you next weekend in Germany, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> hey, we'll be talking before then. Thanks a million, Michael. Thanks a million for everyone listening in. And uh, once more, we'll pass on our condolences to the uh, Zimmer family. Of course, this is a... Uh, Sad news, and it's, you know, I just want to mention that one more because he was involved with the Cincinnati Bengals. So, yeah, next week, I don't know what our Monday Night Football game is. Like you said, though, we'll be back talking those uh, previews, I guess, from uh, tomorrow onwards. So, uh, yeah, check out the lads then.